0: a residency at the House of M's. This is Triple M Nights with Dave Gleeson. Well, in 1991, the Counting Crows formed in uh, in San Francisco. And in 1993, a couple of years later, everyone thinks that bands are overnight success, but uh, it takes a little bit of a time between uh, first getting recognised and then bringing out your first record. But the Counting Crows came out with August and everything after, and they haven't looked back. I'm joined right now by Adam Durrett's lead singer. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you. How you doing? I'm very, very well, thanks, mate. Now, starting off as you did in small pubs or bars playing uh, acoustic sets with your mates to uh, to ruling the biggest stages in the world. It must have been a, a whirlwind two years, that 91 to 93
1: period. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, 91 to 93, we were mostly either at home or or recording. After 93 is kind of when it all started. Right. So, I mean, do
0: you, you, you look back on those days and think, oh, simpler times, simpler times? No. No. No.
1: I look back on those and I think, man, I was so terrified about what I was going to do with my life. And then I got to be a rock star.
0: Unreal. And that was really cool. And, and you've been able to maintain a, a, a solid core of the band for quite some time, like, uh, you know, you, yourself and uh, three of the guys have been with the band the whole time. Does that help you, I think, with, the, with songwriting and with the cohesion
1: of the band? Yeah, I mean, it's actually really five of us have been there since the very, pretty much the beginning. Right, wow. Uh, Immer was there making the first album and Dan joined as soon as we were done. So we were really, you know, it's been, we've been together a long time the group of us and even the two new ones are 10 20 years old now they've been in the band
0: yeah right right so i mean tell us uh about obviously you came to the world's attention and uh, it, i mean it probably was a big thing to do in america to get the success but to know that the world was listening to mr jones off your first record
1: what was that what was that like for you well that's always the cool thing is uh, it, you know can you take it overseas mm-hmm. That's what makes you feel like the Beatles, you know, like the Beatles (laughs) came to America, you know, and so when we got to England the first time, I was kind of knocked out by that, you know, and then it happened all over again a few years later when we got down to uh, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, you know, when you get around the world and people still come out to see you play, that's, that's crazy. And, and speaking
0: of coming to see you play, your live show uh, is, I guess, something that you guys hang your hat on. I've read so many just glowing reports that the show's dynamic and it's intimate and it, like, it seems to go through different stages, but people are always left in awe of your live performances.
1: Well, I mean, I think we try to make it really special and really unique each night, try to make each show its own thing. And I also think we're not bored with it yeah you know we're still really fascinated and passionate about playing shows we still really get our kicks that way you
0: know uh-huh, uh-huh. and uh i see you coming to australia um how many times have you been to australia is it a, a a few times or a bunch of times or
1: uh it's three or four right i think so so you know what you like about the place i like everything about the place <laughs> i mean i got really good friends down there Uh, So it's always, and it's, you know, it's the other side of the world, so you don't see them very often. Mm. But, you know, I spent a lot of, you know, I spent some time in my 20s backpacking around Europe with four Australians, uh, and they're still all down there in Sydney, so it's a real treat to get to see them each time. Fantastic right now. Um, I'm going to talk about
0: a few things. Seven albums, 20 million albums. Uh, The mind boggles uh, about, you know, when you you start off and you might release a demo tape or something like that, to go to that type of level of success, there's no fluke in that, is there?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know what causes that. I mean... I can tell you what goes into making really good records. Yeah. I don't know what goes into selling them. Yeah, right. Getting people to, you know, the whole world deciding they like something that you did. I, I wish, every, everybody wishes they had that formula. me <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I have no idea. Because, I mean, I know great bands that nobody listened to, you know. Who knows? It's uh, crazy. And- it's really cool, though. And you remain a, I, I, I see that you remain a fan
0: of music. I mean, I, I, a lot of people, you know, you, you, you see people get jaded with it and stuff like that. But you still remain a fan of music and, and are more than happy to tip your hat to the things, the, the songs that you love, uh, not just the songs that you write.
1: Oh, well, we, you know, we're still running a uh, an independent music festival, which just happened this weekend. Uh-huh. The 18th and 19th of November, we just had Underwater Sunshine Festival here in New York City, you know, just. 20 or so you know unknown bands playing great shows uh yeah i mean i really i'm still a music geek i'm just obsessed uh-huh. with
0: it and and that grew out of the the underwater sunshine podcast is that right so you were a couple of blokes sitting around having a podcast and then you thought let's do a massive undertaking like getting 27 or so of our favorite bands to play a, a festival
1: well it was a weird thing you know like uh we made a record called Underwater Sunshine, which was about a bunch of fairly obscure cover songs about us us showing people music that we love that they might not have heard of. And then uh, a friend of mine and I were working on a book and we decided it would be better to do a podcast. And then we decided to call it the same thing as the record because it was sort of the same theme. And then a few other friends, we were all talking about wanting to continue doing music festivals. And they were—they all came to me and said, we'd like to call it Underwater Sunshine. We think you had a good thing with the record and with the podcast. And we all work on them all together. Yep. But uh, yeah, that name seems to have stuck.
0: Yeah, right. And it must be a massive undertaking. Uh, probably, what, does it take a year or 18 months ahead to, to get this stuff all rolling?
1: takes most of uh, six, eight months to a year to get it going each time. And we had, well, it's been two years, three years since the last one we did. We were just about to blow it up and move it to three or four clubs instead of one club. And it was going to involve shows by Counting Crows and all these other bands. Frank Turner was going to be doing it. And then the pandemic hit and crashed our big expansion. Uh-huh. So it took us two or three years to be able to do it again.
0: And what did you use the, uh, the pandemic to do? Did you write? Did you, uh, I'd, I'd see you're involved in winemaking and cooking and all these kinds of different things.
1: Well, I mean, I have a winery that I own with some friends but I don't have to do a lot of that. Right. The winemaker does that, I just drink it. <laughs> uh, but I, I cooked a lot and I really studied cooking. Uh, I, stud- I really studied cooking, uh, which was, that was really cool. I, I've never had that kind of time to do that before. Where I could cook the same thing like three times over a course of a couple of weeks and get it better each time. Right, yep. yep. I, you know, having I had all that time to do it. So I did a lot of uh I watched a lot of movies and I cooked a lot for a few years.
0: Unreal, <laughs> unreal now. Uh recently, uh what I've noted I've seen on Netflix is uh the Woodstock ninety-nine train wreck. And you guys are actually on that bill.
1: Yeah, I turned down doing the interviews for those uh all the documentaries came to us and i said no because i'm still so angry about it mm-hmm. quite honestly that the promoters and the people and how they blamed it on the bands uh, it still makes me so angry that i, I didn't want to be in the uh, in the documentaries just ripping people <laughs> but those guys they're the scum of the earth yeah <laughs> between you and me Fucking scum of the earth.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's enough said on that one. Um, so uh, the, the, the thing I've seen, um, uh, uh, the the Butter Miracle Suites, or the suite, you, you're doing uh, more EP, or you've done a couple of EPs. Is that kind of in response? The music industry's changed? The uh, the, the album scenario's a little different? Or is it just something that you, you thought you'd uh, change it up a bit?
1: No, I just wrote this suite of music, and I really wanted to try and make it. It was such a unique thing to do, uh, and, uh, you know, it's only about 20 minutes long. Right, so right, yeah, yeah. It fits on one side of a record. It, it, <laughs> it's just, that's the only reason. It, it, it's more like, uh, it's just how long it is. It was right, really yeah. just that. There was no thought about anything else. It was just all about, I wanted to try and create this thing that was this continuous flow of music, but it only lasts for 20 minutes.
0: Right. Unreal, man. I, I I'm really interested in that. Um, now, uh, when you first started off and, and things were going big, did you ever get consumed by the machine and caught up in all the shenanigans that go on in uh, in in you know L.A. especially?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Great to hear. Well, but the good part. I mean, I moved to L.A. at one point, and you know there were lots of movie stars and pretty girls and. Creative people, a lot Mm. of really creative people. Uh, And that was kind of nice for a little while. Uh, I think reality TV kind of ruined Hollywood. Uh, Then it just became these people who are famous for being famous. Mm. But for a little while, it was a really cool place to be. Everyone seemed to be really creative. Everyone was writing a script or making a movie or sculpting or painting or making a record. It just seemed like all these creative people in one place. Uh, And I really loved it for a few years. Hmm. Uh, You know, then I came to New York. I've been really happy in New York for... Uh, about twenty
0: years now. But. yeah, right. I mean, even for being in a band in Australia, um, our mecca was LA to get to LA and to work in studios. We were lucky enough to do some demoing in Frank Zappa's studio and uh, wow. and and recorded a few different places over in LA. Um, but but it, it, it kind of it moved the mecca moved a bit to Nashville, didn't it and it, it became that's where the the real music was kind of being made after a while.
1: Sort of, but I call Nashville the land of bad advice. <laughs> if you really need some bad advice, Nashville's the place to go. Because ex- they got it for you. And expensive <laughs> you <know>?
0: musicians.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't know that they really got the vibe there. <laughs> A lot of the music coming out of that place is pretty staid.
0: Yeah, right, right,
1: pretty right. Bland. Pretty bland. Which is why
0: you find yourself in New York, which is just an absolute melting pot, obviously, of uh, of
1: great creativity. Yeah, I think you want to go to Texas or New York. Right. You want to get some places to play music. I think that uh, Austin's pretty good. I'm a little biased being a kid from Texas, but uh, yeah, Texas and New York seem like the places to go to me. Um, cool.
0: Well, you're coming here to Australia uh, next year. We can't wait. And uh, we I live in South Australia, uh, which is... Uh, I would say, arguably, one of the greatest wine-making uh, regions in, uh, well, the southern hemisphere. That's for sure. Um, but I'd love to uh, maybe take you around a couple of wineries and show you some of the uh, some of the winemakers down here. If you'd like to uh, come along,
1: you'll find me not terribly resistant to that. <laughs> well,
0: Adam Duritz, thank you so much for your time. We can't wait to uh, to get you down here to Australia, and I hope you uh, hope you travel well. And uh, thanks for being on Triple M. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, mate. Rock on. For all the latest rock news, interviews, and backstage experiences, don't forget to subscribe to Triple M Rock on the listener app.